Uh, we'll open our Bibles to uh, the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, 10th chapter of the 4th Gospel, and if you don't have a Bible, guys in the back will bring them around to you, and while you're turning pages, again, 10th chapter, the Gospel of John, we've got uh, communion waiting for us, we've got 20 minutes uh, of Bible study, and 30 minutes to just share and pray for one another, and just enjoy and celebrate what God's done for us. You ready? Let's pray, let's pray. Father, as we come uh, again to your word, Lord, how can we not make the connection uh, and pray, Lord, that we like sheep would hear your voice? And we know that in this room, Lord, I just I can imagine that there are many that are sheep and some that are not that still have yet to hear your voice and respond. And Lord, I pray today would be the day. I just pray that, that many would hear your voice in, in behind it, not this pastor's voice, but your voice in your word and understand the truths that you're sharing. Their hearts would be open and they would respond. Lord, open our eyes to see wondrous things from your word. Arrest our hearts to follow you with all of our days and help us to stand firm to endure to the end. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, Todd got the chance to lead you guys through the first part of John 10. Just a fantastic passage. Jesus making things so practical, comparing himself and, and calling himself not just the door to the sheepfold, which I'm sure, again, Todd has explained these things to you last week, so I won't go back over them, but just to think about Jesus as the good shepherd. And Israel was familiar with bad shepherds. We understand bad shepherds. Bad shepherds. That's a bad joke. And, and, and some of you, if, you, if you're on Yahoo groups, I sent out a video. Did anybody watch the video I sent by any chance? Okay. Uh, I sent a video that was just a, a three-minute video of a farmer, a sheep farmer. I don't know where he was from, but just calling to his sheep. And there's no, you can't see a single sheep anywhere. And then he starts to call to them, and then you start to hear the noise coming, and then all of a sudden, this sheep just start come running to him. And he says, my sheep, they hear my voice, and they follow me. And we'll talk more about that as we, as we continue with those thoughts um, here in, in chapter, the rest of chapter 10. But something I wanted to mention before uh, we get into the, this next part is that one of the things that Jesus talks about, the, the results of being part of his flock, being one of his sheep, is not only that he's a good shepherd and he, and, he, and he lays his life down for the sheep and he gives them abundant life and all those things are great. He also says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But we, we deal with humanity, our, our, our brains deal with security issues. There's a lot of insecurity. And maybe, some, maybe many here, uh, I, the statistics I see women sp- uh, specifically struggle with insecurity. We're always comparing ourselves to other people. And, and, and being insecure about who we are and how we look and how people perceive us. And, and if you think about it, we've got security issues that begin when we're young. We have a security blanket or, or some little thing that helps us to feel secure and then there's we have security for our computers and we have security for our cars and we have security for our houses we're real worried about people taking our stuff so we got to protect our stuff we got to protect our cars and we so we have security systems and 
We have security for our homes. Then we're worried about national security. And on and on it goes. Even relational security. We're insecure in our relationships with one another. And then parents, what do we worry about with our kids? We don't want them to get stolen. We don't want them to get kidnapped. We're scared. Now, here's the interesting thing. The reality is there's about 800,000 kidnappings a year in America. Now, now here's what's fascinating about that. Only 115 of those fit into the category most would call it a, 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 um, what we would think of as a kidnapping. The others are mostly family uh, issues, close relative issues. Only 115 kids, uh, as if that was like a small number, right? Any, one is too many. But 115 of those uh, are, are taken by somebody that doesn't know them, takes them more than 50 miles away, and, and most of them get returned. But we have this tremendous insecurity. A number of years ago, you ever done some, try to do something good and it just gets misunderstood? You just, it's like, oh, that's not what I meant for, to happen. So we're in, we, we walk into the mall. This is three or four years ago. We, me and, and Helga and Jacob and Madeline, we go to the mall up in Charlottesville. And we walk in the mall, and, and there's this crisis happening right in front of us. We see this mom sort of run off. We, we missed what happened. turned out that her son was sick, and he had, he had lost his cookies there in the mall in, in JCPenney. And so she runs off, and her daughter, who, I don't know, six years old, is just standing there. So I'm figuring, I'm a good Samaritan, right? So I go, okay, honey, let's, let's go. We'll take you. We don't want anybody else to take you, you know, so we're going to help you find your mom, right? So we go, she must have gone to the bathroom, so we go around and, and we go look there and, and in the bathroom and we can't find her anywhere. So we come out of the bathroom and here comes the mall security with the mom and here I am with the daughter. I'm like, this doesn't look good, does it? I know what this must look like, but we just want to make sure nobody else took her, you know? Uh, so everything was okay. Everything was fine. Uh, I had a little explaining to do. <laughs> but thankfully, Helga bailed me out uh, three days later. No, no, I didn't do any time, no. Uh, but we have security issues. And, and so all those things, and then we have them with God. We have security issues with God. Can I know that I'm secure in his hand? Can, and we're so busy trying to convince God to love us because we deal with insecurity. We're so busy trying to convince God that we're worth saving and then somehow that we're, we're worth holding on to. And for you, if, that, if that's you and you constantly worry, it's the people that shouldn't worry that do and the people that should worry that don't. And, and this is the problem that Jesus is now addressing with these Pharisees and religious leaders. Verse 22 of cha- John chapter 10 begins a new section. All of the previous chapter, nine, uh, chapter 8 9 uh, have, have taken place in the fall. October uh, time frame. Now, verse 22 says, now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter. So we've got a period of between two and three months that has transpired between verse 21 and 22. So now it's winter time. It's the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it's winter time. The feast of dedication, uh, those of you that know your Old Testament know that this wasn't one of the the Mosaic feast wasn't one of the Levitical feasts, wasn't one of the Old Testament feasts that was prescribed by God. This one was added later on in the history of the Jews in about 164 B.C., about 164 years before Christ comes on the scene. Uh, what's the situation? I'll give you the brief history without spending too long on it. Um, 
this is Hanukkah. The Feast of Dedication is Hanukkah, also called the Festival of Lights. Uh, and, and Hanukkah just means literally dedication. And so uh, it was appeared when this, this Syrian, this Greek Syrian ruler sort of took over Judea and he decided that he was going to um, really give the Jews a hard time and convert them away from Judaism, away from their traditional faith uh, to all of the Greek pantheon of gods. And he's going to do it by force. So he outlawed circumcision. He outlawed the Sabbath. He outlawed the reading of their, the Torah. And, and he desecrated the temple by building an altar to Zeus, one of the Greek gods, the Greek god of the, of the Olympian. And, um, and then he sacrificed, of all things, a pig and opened up the temple for the sacrifice of this, what to them would have been a, a terribly unclean animal. So imagine you have a house that, and you decide to, to move away for a period of time. You're going to come back. So for a year you rent your house. And you rent it to um, somebody who's a, a dog and cat lover. So much so that they have 50 cats and 30 dogs all living in your home that you rented for the next year. And they have no running space, no yard. All the dogs, all the cats inside all the time for the year. You come home in a year to go back into your house. What do you find? Oh. You, I mean, if, if you can get through the smell when you walk in, you say, oh, this place needs to be fumigated. It needs a good cleaning. It's dirty. And that's how the Jews would have felt spiritually about their temple. That's the, that type of grotesque, like if you've ever seen a house like that, with just cat feces everywhere, it's just nasty and smells bad, and, and it just almost makes your stomach churn. That's how the Jews would have felt about their temple being. So what happened was... Um, Judas the hammer Maccabeus, and you'll read this in, in some of the intertestamental writings, they, this is too far, it's gone too far. And they stage a revolt. And they actually, um, they, they, they reclaim their temple, and then they have to cleanse it. And they rededicate it to God. They have to take out all the idolatrous stuff, get it cleansed from all of those influences, and then they rededicate it. And that's what Hanukkah is all about. It's also called the Festival of Lights because when they went to, lamp, uh, to light the menorah again, they only had enough, because there's a special kind of oil. It's got to be a, a, a sacred kind of oil made a special way. They only had enough for one day to light that, to light that candle or to that, that menorah. And, but it lasted, according to their legend, it lasted eight days till they could make some more. And that's the miracle of Hanukkah. That's why they light all those candles. That's the Festival of Lights. And so that's what's going on in the temple. It's the Feast of Dedication. It's winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Hey, Jesus, let's stop playing games here. I mean, quit beating around the bush. If you're the Christ, just tell us. I mean, and see, they're really blaming him. Quit being you know, so obscure about this thing. Just tell us plainly as if he hadn't already. And of course, that's what he says. Jesus answered them, verse 25, I told you, and you do not believe. He had already told them. He said, before Abraham was, I am. But now if it was just a matter of words, and well, if he just came out, you know, it's interesting that if he had told them, yes, I'm the Messiah, if he had just come out, which he sort of did, but then they would have said, well, prove it. So he just decided to skip it and just went right to the proof part. He says, I have told you, and you don't believe. 
And then the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. You see, that's the irrefutable proof. That's what holds up in, in the court of decision-making. That's what converted Lee Strobel. If you know the case for Christ, this atheist court journalist who decided his wife was a Christian and, and daughter was a Christian and decided that he would finally disprove all that they believed. And so he set about to disprove it and he got saved. Because the mind, the person, the heart that's really open to finding the truth it's plain to see. It's so easy. Everything that Jesus did, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, what is it, folks? It's a duck. Or a lamb. And Jesus, the, he says, look, the, the works that he did, is if, he says, I only do what the Father does. And I only say what the Father says. And, and I, I heal lepers. And I opened blind eyes, and all these things were already prescribed throughout their. They already pointed, everything pointed to Jesus for those that want. But he, they say again, hey, tell us plainly. Uh, can, you, can you believe the nerve of these guys? He must, I, I told you. And you don't believe. And even the works they bear witness of. There's nothing that should keep them from believing outside of themselves. Do you see that? There is nothing. That would, there, there's no ambiguity, there's no obscurity, it's been so obvious, it's been so plain, that a blind guy in chapter 9 gets it. Where, where is this Son of God that I might believe in Him? Jesus said, you're speaking to Him, and He's standing right in front of you, and He worshipped Him. He saw it. The woman at the well saw it. These guys are the experts, and they're missing it. He says, here, and here's why they're missing it, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. You don't believe me because you're not one of my sheep. Wow. Now, they couldn't read Psalm 23 and say the Lord is my shepherd. They had to read Psalm 23 and say the Lord is not my shepherd. He does not make me lie down in green pastures. He does not lead me beside still waters. He does not restore my soul. That's how they would have to read Psalm 23. Jesus says to them, you're not one of my sheep. You see, sheep have this inner compulsion that when they hear that voice of God, when they hear that voice of their, of their shepherd, they come. They respond. They just, you know, they're not like cats. Cats hear the voice and they go, yeah, maybe I'll come, maybe not. Not sure if I heard you. Not convenient for me really right now. But when it's inconvenient for you, that's when it'll be convenient for me. Sheep are different than cats. Sheep, sheep have... So he says, you're, you're not of my sheep. That would have been... I mean, they considered themselves to be shepherds. And Jesus says, you're not even a sheep. And why? Because they don't believe. They, they, they can't hear his voice. Listen. You're, ne you're never going to... This is what it's about. Do you hear the voice of God? When, you, when you're listening, when you're reading the Bible, you hear the voice of God. When, when you're, you know, I heard the voice of God in a parking lot. You see, at some point, you hear the voice of God, and it beckons you to come. And I'm telling you what, there's, there's weeks I sit here at the end of service. I say, you know, if anybody wants to get saved today, if anybody wants to give their life to Christ, I just want you to come down. And I know that there are people here that are hearing the voice of God. I know it. And I can't tell you why. It's just a palpable inner sensation or feeling not that i live my life off of feelings but you just know that there's someone here that needs to get saved 
And they're hearing the voice of God and they're resisting. Just like the Apostle Paul resisted for some time. You might as well come today because you can only resist for so long. God will wear you down if you're one of his sheep. If he's calling you. If he's calling you. These guys couldn't hear his voice, not his sheep. Now listen to what he says about the benefits of being a sheep. My sheep hear my voice. That's how you know when that shepherd stands on the hillside, there might be six other shepherds with flocks all over the place on that hillside. But when that shepherd calls out to his sheep, it's his sheep that come running. And they won't listen to anybody else. They don't hear that other shepherd calls, they don't go. These people, these people have been waiting to hear the voice of the shepherd. No one has spoken with the authority that Jesus has spoken. No one has said the things that he said. And the people that are open, they're the one. Finally. This is what Jesus, he came to be the good shepherd. He came to call out to his sheep. And out of the multitude of people, these come that are his sheep. That's why we're here. Out of the multitude of people on the earth, those that have heard his voice and responded are his sheep. When he says come, they come. He says, my sheep, that's how you can always tell. You can tell a sheep because he hears the voice of God. My, and it's continuing to start. You know, I heard the voice of God calling to me, Steve, come to me. Okay, God, I'm coming. And now I still hear the voice of God when I read his word. The voice of God convicting. The voice of the shepherd comforting. The voice of the, and, and so it's not just about, you know, these guys heard the word of God. But they never heard the voice of God. It was just something to study. It was academics. It was just words on a page. My sheep hear my voice and I know them intimately and personally. When we talk about a personal relationship with God, you know, you believe. You hear his voice when you respond to it, when you hear him calling to your heart. You become a sheep and he knows you. It's personal. And I know them. I know my sheep. And they follow me continually. They continue to follow me. That's how you know sheep. They're behind the shepherd. That's how you know which sheep belong to which shepherd. They're they're following him. Just, Just sitting in church doesn't make you a sheep. And there's a lot of people that sit in, in church and they've, they've read the Bible and they've never heard the voice. They've never responded to the voice of God. You've responded maybe to the voice of a denomination. You've responded to the voice of a relative that said, you need to be in church. And that's fine. I'm glad you're here. But you'll be like these religious people who still say, well, I just, if I could only have one more proof, if there'd only be one, if God would only do this for me. When you hear his voice, you don't care about proofs. It doesn't matter about, well, if he would only do Because anytime, anything, any sign, any miracle God would do, you'd find a way to write it off. He just opened the eyes of a guy who was born blind. No one ever did that. And still they say, Jesus, show us plainly. We're, not, we're still not sure. It could, but when you hear the voice of God, there's, there's not, there's, you don't need anything else. And it's just, I've shared this. I just knew this book was for me. God started speaking to me out of this book. Like, it's just something in my heart that I knew when I read this, God was speaking to me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. 
never is, is a double negative. And your mom taught you never to speak with double negatives. We ain't not. No, that's double negative. But here, in Greek, it's okay. It strengthens it. In other words, it's impossible for them to perish. They'll never. And this is where we get back to the issue of security. Where does eternal, do you earn eternal life? Is it, I mean, if, and here's the great comfort for us as Christians. If I didn't earn my salvation for myself, then I can't lose it for myself. If I didn't have to earn it by my works, then I can't lose it by not doing my works. Right? I didn't, it's not about me. It, see, now, does faith, the, the works follow faith? Absolutely, you know that. But that's just icing on the cake. I, I get to enjoy, look, my, my eternal life, my, my life here, an eternal life begins the day you believe. My, my life now is in the hands of a shepherd. And I see so many people that are scurrying and worrying and hurrying about their lives, trying to fix everything on their own. And, and it is so nice to have a shepherd. And then you can read Psalm 23, and you, and you know that you know that the Lord is my shepherd. And it's what he does for me. And all that I do. Look, secure people are happy people. Secure people are people at rest. Now the Pharisees thought they were secure. So I want to be heard on this. We're talking about Jesus' sheep. They're the ones. You heard his voice. You responded. You came to him. You follow him. That person, secure. Not about doing enough. It's not about being enough. It's not about more work and more of this and all that. It's about a shepherd who's got really strong hands and who's going to fight for me. And that's what he's going to say in just a minute. But if you don't follow, and, and if you don't hear, and if you don't listen, and if you don't respond, then the question is are you really a sheep? And then you should worry then you should be concerned about your eternity because it's a gift. Your eternal life is a gift from the shepherd. The sheep come for food. They hear the voice, man, it's food, chow time. I heard one pastor say it's like meals on wheels. They come a-running. We come, and a byproduct of that is we get eternal life by being a sheep. I give them eternal life. They shall never, ever, ever perish. And on top of that, well, are we safe? Can we be, can we be secure? Verse, the, the next part of that verse says, Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I mean, David beat off bears and lions. And the Bible says you have an adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He devours those that are out of the fold. He devours those that get isolated. But if you're a sheep, and and listen, sheep flock together. This is true. I meet a lot of people that say, well, I just worship God in my backyard. I just go, I just do my own thing then I'm not sure you're a sheep because sheep don't do, sheep are, you know, sheep don't have, I think God made the sheep just so he could have an illustration for the church because sheep don't have fangs and sheep don't have claws. They are utterly 
helpless. Their lives are dependent on the, the strength and the ability and the prowess of their shepherd. Their whole life is in their shepherd's hands. If they have a lame shepherd or, who falls asleep on the job or doesn't care about the sheep, then their lives are in danger. And Jesus is saying, you want a good shepherd, you listen to my voice, and I'll take care of you, I promise you. And this is no one. You ever, you ever seen a movie where they try to take a kid from their parents' hands? Think about, think about, thought about Daniel under the, the Babylonian captivity when they separated families, when they took captive people. Or you think about the Holocaust when families were, were torn apart. You ever seen a mom fight for her child? You tell me that mom just doesn't, you know, I mean like the, all of a sudden the, the nails are out, the fangs are in, and that is my child. Some of you school teachers know what I'm talking about. Parents will fight for their kids. Now imagine Jesus fighting for his sheep. Now, why do some people fall away? Are they backslidden? What's their story? Were they a sheep and then they became not a sheep? Like, I think once you're, you know, when you're a sheep, you're a sheep. I mean, you don't, un, you don't become an unsheep. I don't know. I mean, you know, this is, I know this is a, a theological controversy and we're five minutes late. But um, here's what I know. John said, there were some that were among us. This is 1 John chapter 2. And then they went out from us. And they went out from us because they were never really of us. And I think what you find is people, you can fake it for a time. You know, uh, the pig can get washed up and cleaned up and, and put on his nice go to church on Sunday clothes, but he's still a pig. The real challenge is, is when you're transformed, your whole life changes. You go from a pig to a sheep. And now sometimes a sheep will get and wallow in the mud a little bit. But he doesn't belong there, and he knows it. It's not natural. And so eventually that sheep comes home. But the pig is right where he needs to be, because it's his nature. So we're going to stop there. I had thought about maybe doing the whole thing, but you know how that goes. Um, oh, I'm going to invite Phil up. And actually, I, I just I lied again. I've got to stop this bad habit. Um, I do want to do the last uh, 29 and 30, but I'm still going to invite Phil and the praise team to come up. We're just going to take some time and pray for each other and, and talk these things over um, in the context of getting ready to, to break bread. The, you know, Jesus said, I lay my life down for my sheep. And that's what we celebrate today. His body, his blood sacrificed to be our protector so that no one, so that Satan couldn't snatch you, so that no false doctrine can snatch you away, so that you can be secure But look, if you still got your Bible there, verse 29 says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. I mean, if God is for us, who can be against us? If, so you've got Jesus' hands protecting you, and then you've got on top of his, the Father's hands protecting you. And who is stronger than God? Who, someone who's stronger has to pry or be able to, to beat the shepherd to get to the sheep. Is anybody stronger than God? So can anyone get to you? Through God, no, no. The answer is no. Your 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 eternal your eternal life, your abundant life, is all protected by Him. No one can snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of My Father's hand. Why? I and My Father are one. When it comes to our our heart, they're different. You know, they're different entities, so to speak. Jesus is Jesus. God is God, but they share one essence, one heart. One activity, one mind, 
everything, in every way possible, they're one, but they're in separate forms. God is God, Jesus is Jesus, both eternal, all those things. And they too, as one, team up for the protection of the sheep. So as we get ready to, um, to share communion together, I want to pray, and then we're going to sing a little bit, and we're going to have some opportunities for prayer, and then we'll break bread together as we come closer to the, uh, to the end of our time together. So let's pray. Father, um, Lord, first, uh, just with, with all those that are your flock, we say amen. Thank you, Lord, for being a good shepherd. You have fulfilled your word to us as we've followed you. You've led us through the valley of the shadow of death. And because you're with us, Lord, we fear no evil. You've restored our souls. You've cleaned up our lives. You've fed us. You've watered us. You've cared for us, Lord. We are just dependent sheep, Lord. No ability to hunt or anything like that for ourselves. We've put our lives in your hands, Lord, as scary and as vulnerable as that sounds. And as it is, we've given you our very lives, Lord. Because who else could we trust? Where else would we turn? You alone have the words of eternal life. Father, I pray this morning you, you just your voice would be clear as we share communion in Jesus' name. Amen.